couldn't at all. No time like the present, as a matter of fact. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> 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 Good job. Wow. Right. Right Welcome to practice shooting after dark. My name's Ben. We're here to talk about shooting. Uh, on deck tonight, we've got Mr. Park. Hello. Mr. Kim. Hi. Mr. Hopkins. Hi. Everybody comes here with something to talk about. And, um, you know, I think you're up first, Mr. Matt. Yeah, I want to hear. Tell me more. So I guess since I already basically told my topic, I'm yeah, going to talk about Nationals. Nash USPSA Nationals. Yeah, USPSA Nationals. Why not, right? Yeah. I can't think of a reason why not. What's going on? Uh, just talk about the match experience and how it went and everything. I can't wait to hear about it. So it was in bright and sunny and rainy Florida. Perfect. So I, yeah, I heard like not everybody got rained on, though. It was like selective, right? It was only a little bit. Uh, it wasn't terrible. It's never going to rain on everybody all the time, obviously. Like it's it's weather, so it kind of comes and goes. Yeah. Uh, I guess the PM, AM, PM squads got basically drizzled on, but they had bags on some of the stages. Uh, AM, PM, AM for the this is the first match, I guess. Carry optics in production. Uh, they got hammered pretty good on two different days. So, oh no, they oh, got well. the raw end of the deal. Yeah. Ugh. All right. <laughs> Talk about the Something match. Something you can't control. It's just yeah, this is what it is. Nobody's it's fault. frostproof. We all know about it. So yeah. you got to go in prepared. So uh, match went good. Uh, what about the stages? So uh, yeah, like difficulty. I guess we can kind of go into little details if you want. So stage difficulty. Uh, there was a stage from the left side of the tar, the leftmost target to the rightmost target, like laterally across the bay, including the shooting area. That was ninety yards. Oh wow! So just divide that out. So left target to the shooting area, thirty yards. Yeah. It was more like 35, 30, and 25, I think. But still, 90 yards from like leftmost to rightmost target. Probably one of the most complicated and toughest stages I've ever probably shot and definitely shot at Nationals. I mean, Kim shot them all, too. I guess I'd like to hear his opinion on that one. But that was one stage. What would you say the stages were like by and large? I thought it was a really good test. So... Overall, I thought it was a good match. So they had, like, shooting on the move. They had tight targets. They had far open targets. They had far tight targets. They had steel at distance. They had they had close targets where you could just hose on them. They had stacked targets. They Like, they had tons of swingers. So they had a ton of swingers. I think they used every single swinger that Frostproof had down there. Like, I think one section, so eight, seven stages... There was eight swingers in it. Oh wow! Yeah, and, and then like every other section. Stuff too. Yeah, Bobber mix traps. Bobber max, like lots of activating targets. Um, found so, out I'm pretty good shooting at those with the dot, like better than I was with iron sights, and I think it's how I like just the target focus shooting, obviously. So, like, yeah. overall, I'm hearing you say it wasn't a hose fest. Was it, it was all, like, hose fest. were they all super tough, or was it, like, a balance of... I thought it was a good mix for Nationals, honestly. Like, it it wasn't 
so difficult that no one could do it. It wasn't so easy that no one was challenged. Like it was a good balance for nationals, from what I can tell. That sounds good. I think each zone, each zone has a little bit uh, themes. I think zone one was really like IPSC style. Zone two was kind of like a USPSA style, so some speed shoot and high heat factor stuff. Zone three was kind of a mixture of the two. So I thought the mixture in each zone had kind of a theme. I think that was really good. Yeah, I agree with that. Zone two was definitely the highest hit factor of all the stages for sure. Um, the only thing I can, I can basically, it's kind of sticking in my head. They didn't do the alternating bays, like one on the left, two on the right. They just did one, two, three, four on the left side. And then like five, six, seven on the right side. So one, two, three, four, we're all shooting into the sun. And then when you went to your next stage, you were still shooting in the sun. Where before they've alternated it back left and right, so you could get a chance, a break away from the sun for the morning schedule. It's the only thing I about that. For me, one really nationals was actually uh, stage nineteen was the ninety yards, the big one, and that stage everybody was a little bit confused with exactly where the one eighty is. Oh, and then yeah. the RO in the uh, walkthrough, they were very clear about like that certain spot. Hey, if you reload over here af- right after the target without rotating, you- you're going to get DQ'd. So I think mentioning what's going to be DQ and what not was very helpful for all the shooters. Yeah. So I watched three people get DQ'd on that stage and two in that exact spot mm. in the morning schedule before we shot that section. And as soon as I like, I'm like, I'm getting the fuck away from this stage. This stage is fucking bad, bad news right now. I'm going to go reset and go somewhere else. <laughs> uh, right. It was it was a weird, so it was like just a normal bay, but the way the fault lines and windows were, you got kind of sucked into the window, and you were shooting on a pretty close to the, like, 180. I, I don't know what you call it, probably like 170, 160, something like that. But as soon as you initiated your reload right there, you were clearly breaking the 180. Like, if you stepped back and looked at it, and not just looked at it while you are walking the stage. Huh. Well, okay. So That stage was so complicated. Just, have you ever seen this, where they had a golf cart on the stage that an RO went and scored one of the targets because it took so long for people to walk down and reset it and score it. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty unusual to see that, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Crazy. Okay. Well, one question that I got a lot, and this is a pretty good segue, is like, hey, Ben, why weren't you at Nationals? I think I've gotten that question more than 200 times. I've got that question a few times, <laughs> and I said, well, you'll have to ask Ben. All right, I have so, got that question also and had the so, same answer. <laughs> so here's my answer. I wasn't interested in going. I was like, I'm not interested because of the officiating. That's it. The officiating last year really left a bad taste in my mouth. Like, really bad. Um, I wasn't trying to slam anybody, but I mean, we did talk about it last year on the podcast about just, I mean, it wasn't, it, it was no specific event. It was just the, um, the number of, like, 
totally blown calls. It was just like, man, I take this too seriously to, to, to put in the time and energy to show up to this event. Like, I just, I take it too seriously. So I'm like, this is just not for me. I need to not go to this. Which was, you know, I, I feel pretty good with that. You know, you guys have nothing to say that. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's my shit. It's not anything to do with you. I don't know what I'm going to... Yeah, I'm not going to say nothing. You can say it, though. Like, you say what you think, Matt. So, the only comment I'm going to make in is USPSA made it clear that they're trying to bring in newer ROs that have not ever ROed nationals before. So, I think there's a learning curve there that they have to go through. Um, but I definitely did see some uh, scoring issues. I'm not going to not gonna lie about that like there were there were issues no doubt like that i think had impact on where people finished and that you talk you're make... talking about this year yes i mean like i don't i don't know about this year yeah I mean, yeah for sure this year there was now, there were officiating issues i guess the, the best thing to do is put this in a little context my views on this put this into context for people like i started going to nationals in 2007 and the officiating was not that great. It was okay. It wasn't that great. I remember there was one stage that had you, like, she, uh, this was before your time, Matt. So you won't you won't remember this. But uh, there was one stage, for example, big controversy of the match, where you had to shoot strong-handed, where you're carrying a briefcase or something, uh, luggage carry style was what it said in the in the stage briefing and they were, they were handing people penalties for like putting the, the case for up. how high it was above your, yeah. Yeah. Like I remember that, that. Yeah, you do. Yeah. That was yeah. controversial and yep. really, really stupid as an example. Um, but then I remember like at the time, everybody was pissed off about it and it was a big controversy. And like things have shifted so much now where it's like, Oh, I mean, what what kind of put me over the edge was like the last stage last year when a guy shot a no shoot in the face, and every like everybody was like, "Oh man, that that sucks." It was it was horrible. It was like a classifier stage. I mean, you could see the whole thing from one spot, and the guy shot a no shoot, and it was sad. And everybody saw this except for the range officers, and it was I'm not not joking. It was a two minute argument from the shooter to get the no shoot added to his score. It took two minutes. It took way long. I was, it was mind blowing to me, just like the, the lack of situational awareness from what that that RO in particular shouldn't have been there. He just he should not have been working that match. He was not capable for whatever reason. Not capable. Didn't know what the fuck was going on. And that was one RO of I don't know three or four or maybe five last year that just like this person just shouldn't be here. Like and then maybe 10 or 12 blown calls per match. This is Florida. This is Utah. It was both. It, was, it didn't matter. The officiating just sucked, sucked nuts. Um, and I've, I've realized that I'm kind of the problem. Like, I'm my problem. Like, I take this so seriously where it's like, like, I'm just not going to have any fun like that. Whereas, you know, for most people, it doesn't make any difference. So there was a long hangout right. in my squad this year. So a shooter was shooting, and there was extra smoke, and the arrow stopped him. And then they checked with the squib rod because the arrow was expecting it to be a squib. Uh, there was no projectile 
However, there was like a breast trying to not come out. Uh, I, I was assuming it was double charge or something. So the breast wasn't coming out. And the RO said, there was no projectile. So the shooter wanted a reshoot. And the RO was not wanting to give it. So like match director comes and there was a really long hang up, like 10 minutes hang up kind of thing. So that kind of case, the rule says uh, that if you stop it, there's no projectile in the barrel, you reshoot. There was well, no yes. projectile. Right, yeah. so that shouldn't take 10 minutes to sort out. And it, I, like I said, there was nothing specific, but like, I don't know, something really shit last year. The officiating was, it was garbage. Like uh, hot, hot garbage. I'll, I'll give a rundown real quick of what I saw. Popper fuck. Well, you're talking about last year or no, this year? No, this year. I didn't see anything. I wasn't. Yeah, even I'm just saying what I saw. Just, what I would consider. Clear, like we haven't discussed this, have we? No, not at all. No. Like I wasn't like banging your phone. Like what's going? Nope. Like like I. What can I say? Like hey, I'm not interested. This is not for me. I mean that sincerely. Like I'm not sitting around like trying to figure out what's going on. Like truly, I've just kind of lost interest in that. Like anyway, go well, ahead. I'm just, I, I saw doubles called. When it was clearly Mike's, I saw. Well, hold on, but just to put this in context again, did you see a shooter pushing hard to make that happen? Yeah. Did you see a really argument? We're talking targets pulled. Yes. That type of thing. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And I saw poppers not Excuse falling me. after getting center punched. Uh, <clears throat> what else? I saw a wall shot that weren't scored and weren't repaired. And like the shooters getting the hits, I saw. I saw incorrect range commands. Like it was, it's all the stuff that we know have. Like, you could have wrote down a list and put it in an envelope, and I could have read off the five things that you put on there. Like it's always going to happen. Well, no, I mean, so we've we've talked about this. There's definitely been a shift. So uh, yeah, I think so. I mean. Remember when we used to like bully people, like we used to be mean to people that would like, but like as a matter of course, like every time they shoot a miss, they're, they're pushing the RO to get an overlay out. Like every time they have a miss. We were so bad to Gaston. (laughs) We were mean to him. We were told, we were absolutely mean to him. Right. And we're great friends now, but he totally had it coming. Dude, he did it. He literally, like, every shot, it, if it was a miss, like, if he shot one time at the target, he'd ask for an overlay. Like, <laughs> that's just an example. I don't know if he actually did that. But, like, every single time that they called a miss, like, it was automatic overlay. And he he explained it like, that's the culture in Ipsic outside the U.S. Well, it was more like Latin America. What he said was, okay. the, R- the ROs try to fuck us, so we have to, like, we have to do this, and this is just the way you play the game. <laughs> Like, that's the culture in Latin American Ipsic, according to Gaston. Like, my time shooting at his club with his homies, I haven't seen that. Yeah, but that was uh, a decade ago, though. Yeah, that was a decade ago. It was a long time ago. So, Uh, but like, the culture might have shifted down there, but it got moved up to North America. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, I like competitors pushing for stuff just as a matter of routine, whether or not they legitimately think they earned it is. That's worse than being an incompetent range officer, in my opinion. Like, there's there's intent behind that that's not good. Whereas, well, if you just don't know what the fuck you're doing, you just don't know. 
I'm going to laugh. I'm going to probably, this will mean probably something to somebody, but no one on here. But I think there was some meme shared after the match, like competition doesn't breed integrity. It reveals it or something like that. It doesn't build character. It reveals it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I'm going to leave this. Yeah, that's, well, that's true. Well, anyway, uh, great. Good talk. Let's move on. Who wants to talk first? Mr. Kim, Mr. Park? Uh, I think Kim has a way more interesting topic than I do. Well, that's a little short, though. Yeah, Yeah, perfect. So, uh, stage 19 at Nationals, I got poured on. But then uh, how I managed my optic to keep it fresh was to keep that like a shower cap or the gun cloth. And I have a cap on the optic. But the thing is, uh, if I make ready... And put it in my holster, the optics facing up, so the rain can get inside there. And I was watching uh, Christian Seiler. Uh, he was shooting one of the matches in Florida 2020, uh, Area 6, I think. So he got rain done, very heavy. And when he drew, uh, something fell off that looks like a ping pong ball. And I was like, oh, there must be a prop. And then the next stage, also rained on, it falls off again. I'm like, what, what, wait a minute, what's that? So I kind of looked at it, and it was actually, I think it was a ping pong ball. I didn't confirm it with him. But how he keep his optic not rained on is to make ready, and then when he puts into the holster, he puts a ping pong ball on top of it. So I think that's just something very interesting. Uh, like people, especially my region, Washington State, it rains consi- consistently. So I might actually buy a pack of ping pong ball and put in my gun bag. So I actually so, heard about that at this ma- at national. And that's not a problem yeah. to do that. It's supposedly totally legal, and you can even do it in Ipsic. Hmm. So I heard it from Layden. Like Layden saw, like we saw each other in the store, and Layden was like, "What are you buying?" I'm like, "I'm buying umbrellas because it's gonna fucking rain." <laughs> And he's like, no, you got to buy ping pong balls. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then he showed me, and it works awesomely. Like, they're such lightweight. Like, just, like, the force of the draw knocks it off, and it's not even an issue. So if if this was a question, what rule or whatever would you cite saying it's good to go? I'd ask you to quote what rule it says it's not good to go, right? I mean, I suppose, but... I don't know. I don't know. I haven't I, looked you, People would it. say shit like... You have to have it there to start, like, every stage. Mm-hmm. Remember when uh, the walkthrough straps, where people, like, put the strap over the gun, and that's a problem sometimes? Yes. Like, I don't think this is a problem, but <laughs> um, well, I-, I could see the questions coming. I-, I think it would be interesting. It might make an interesting question to DNROI or whatever, but... <laughs> well, answer- he'll, he'll just say, yeah. That one, I don't that, know. That, don't, that, that, we got that it. Answer- probably wouldn't um, intellectually uh, stimulate me. You know what I mean? It would just be like, yeah, it's legal, you idiots. But I've never thought of that, and I heard about it just at this match for the first time. It's very right. interesting. So, so walk uh, me through this. So I make my gun hot. A long time ago, I was working an area match, and a guy did something similar where it was raining like fuck. Like, it was horrible. I was actually digging a trench in the bay while the, the stage was running so that it, like, I was digging drainage for the bay while we were shooting. Uh, it was it was miserable, but so it was a, a laying down flat start, and one guy asked to start with a, a towel over his face, like over his you know like over his glasses, and we allowed that. I mean, it was just the start position was just laying on your back, so it was like 
well, it doesn't say you can't have this towel there. And it just it seems like kind of a dick move to say no. It doesn't seem like the right thing to do, does it? <laughs> and one more thing to add about the rain is uh, that specific uh, stage, uh, my mag was a little wet because I don't have cloth on the mags. And then it didn't come out when I tried to release it. And then uh, one of the carry optics shooters saw it and then had a silicone loop. So she actually let me use the silicone loop on that. And it actually really worked well. It started coming out very nicely on the you following stages. Your mag pouch? What, what was that? Mag? You sprayed the mag or the mag pouch? The magazine body. Yeah. yeah, but that obviously transferred over the pouch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, say? So magazine wasn't coming off the gun. Oh, out of the gun. Not the pouch. Yeah, it oh, wouldn't come out of the gun. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. People listening to this are going to have more follow-up questions. So walk me through this. I make the gun hot, chamber check, whatever. I put the gun in the holster and then put the ping pong ball on top of the optic, or like while the gun's hot in your hand, you're you setting just, it on. I don't. No, just. Just put it in the holster and then put it on there. Okay. You don't want to holster it with the ping pong ball. <laughs> oh, I didn't think so. I'm just curious how this works. Okay. Basically, you're like using your like shoulder to cover the optic up, so it doesn't yeah. get a lot of rain until you put the ping pong ball on it. Uh, makes sense. Okay. It's not hard, and like if you're worried about it, like test it in dry fire. Like put a ping pong ball in your range bag from now on, I guess. <laughs> All right, uh, Mr. Park, what do you have for a topic? Uh, mine's probably a little self-serving, but uh, I've received quite a, yeah, quite a few people have contacted me about uh, organizing classes, how to figure out what tuition is going to be, like how to make sure it's okay with the range, all that kind of stuff. So I um, thought I'd just kind of cover that kind of from the beginning since I've set up quite a few classes and kind of have a, a procedure, I guess, that works. So kind of to start out, I guess, uh, a class organizer would be a person like me, for instance, I want to have Ben or Kim come do classes at my range. So I have to contact them. Ben, I want you to come on these dates. Are you available? You know, like I want you to do this class. Uh, once you end up, you know, like you find out. So basically, Ben doesn't cold call a bunch of people saying, I'd like to come do a class at your range. Well, so yeah. So for if you're one of the people who there's a lot of them, like on social media, they'll say like, hey, are you going to do a class in X location? It's like, it's not really my choice. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. I don't, I don't drive the agenda. Yeah. Yeah. So Ben's not cold calling. Somebody wants to have a class. Ben, I want you to, I want you to do this class in July, whatever. How does your schedule look? You, you find out a date, whatever. Uh, you get approval from your range, which sometimes means it's a good old boy system. Sometimes, like in my case, I actually present a, formalized letter addressing all their complaints before they have a chance to try to uh, interrogate me. And uh, so anyway, that that letter, if that's helpful, is available on Ben's site in the Take a Class. I've got kind of a frequent last questions I built for class organizers. But anyway, so once you get you know stuff lined up, I've got a date from Ben that's good for the classes. Uh, I've got permission for my range. Now I need to figure out how much to charge. And that's normally what I get the questions for. So. Ben, stop me if I'm missing anything, but basically the place to start, Ben, how much will you charge for a class? He gives me a price. This is my, you know, what the tuition is going to be per student. Well, you can't just charge that amount to the people coming to the class because you have maybe a range fee, uh, you have uh, materials, so targets, pasters, that kind of stuff. So 
what you would do is figure out how many targets, which your instructor like Ben or Kim or any good instructor that's coming to visit, uh, would have an idea of what they're gonna need for supplies. So you figure, okay, the class is two days, it's 12 people, I need 200 targets, and I need this many pacers. So you figure out how much the targets and pacers are gonna cost, divide that by the number of students, add that in with whatever the actual tuition is, add in your range fee, and then add, I don't know, five bucks a person, something like that. So you have, you know, a little bit extra for spray paint, you know, you're gonna end up needing staples, whatever, just so you have a little bit of a margin for error. And that's basically how you figure your tuition. And that way, you know, you give somebody a flat fee and, uh, you know, it's all covered. That's it. You've got everything built in. Is that fair, Ben? Am I missing anything? Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, so the, the system works pretty well because you like, you know, the dudes at your range, if you want to get something done. And as you know, those dudes are difficult sometimes if, <laughs> if some stranger emails them wanting to do something. So it's mm -hmm. better like with people, you know, and then as why far as, yeah. And then for co collecting tuition, uh, for instance, if it's August now and I've got Ben coming for a class in May next year, I'm not going to start collecting money, whatever that is, like eight months out. So uh, the play I normally do is I wait till it's a couple months out. Maybe it's three months out, something like that when you start. Uh, so basically somebody says like, Matt wants to get in this class. Okay, I take an Excel, I start an Excel sheet of just the names and emails of people that want to be in the class. Uh, then when I get whatever that is, 60 days, 90 days, whatever number you determine, then email people. Uh, are you still interested in this class? If so, this is how much the tuition is. I'm ready to collect it. Because if you start collecting it eight months out, life happens, they're having a kid, they lost their job, they got promoted, they work a different schedule, whatever. It's just a nightmare. You don't want to mess with that. So once you get in that 60, 90 days out, you start collecting money. And uh, then some people do like, once it's 30 days out, it's non-refundable if you want somebody else to take, like if you if you can't make the class, you need to find somebody else to take your slot, something like that. Um, but that's basically it. Then you have all the funds in your account. You purchase the targets, the pasters, staples, paint, whatever you need. You've got all the supplies there. And then when the, the instructor shows up, then they get you know cash or a cashier's check for one lump sum. Like Ben's not going to go hunt down 12 people trying to have them PayPal him or give him cash or check and keep it all straight. Well, so that's nice just a, like, for me, it wouldn't be 12. It would be like, that's just your class. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, seriously, if you think about it, there might be some like, like 120 days from another class, like one dude PayPal's half of whatever. And I look at mm -hmm. this like, what the fuck is like, I don't even know what this is for. Yeah. So in Ben's case, Ben's got normal. I mean, you look at a schedule class back to back or he's doing two classes or three classes at this location. So anyway, it's just it's easy. Here's the you know, you give the instructor the tuition done at one lump sum. It's easy for them. It's easy for you. It's just a win win. And keeping things organized is uh, a good plan. So there's no surprises, no headaches. Pretty seamless. Yeah. Well, that's very professional, Joel. Well, uh, OK. And the other part is I kind of feel responsible when everybody's coming to, to uh, so if Ben's doing a class at my range, I'm responsible to make sure it goes well. And that's not to scare anybody out of doing it, but I need to have the supplies there. I need to make sure, you know, the instructor's compensated. That's, that's my part of being an organizer. So it's, you know, being organized and uh, making it professional. So the instructor, whether it's Ben, Kim, Vogel, whoever wants to come back again too is important.
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That sounds uh, very nice. Yeah. yeah. Would you guys like a fun question? Yeah. Please. Yeah. As opposed to a not fun question, I suppose. A fun, a fun question sounds interesting. Uh, this would be a good one probably for Matt. Okay. Okay. Good evening. I just got back from, I'm not going to name the match. <laughs> I won't name the match. Uh, interesting match, but not free of chicanery. They had an interesting club rule that prohibited reloads with a muzzle pointing over the berm. They admitted they couldn't DQ a shooter over it, but cited a conversation with USPSA giving their blessing for three strikes and you're disinvited from the range for 45 days. They didn't present written confirmation from Foley per rule 3-3. The rule was also inconsistently applied. Certain squads had reloaded with muzzles, point over the berm all over the place, but then the normal shooters, myself included, were called on it, including during their runs, <laughs> making it RO interference, says a guy. I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on club rules of this type. Shouldn't uh, level three matches have the closest reading of the rules without this type of BS, says this guy. So I should say from the jump, like, I have no idea if this, any of this is true. I would suspect based on, well, a lot of reasons that it's basically true. Like a really fun match. To What's that? Sounds like a really fun match to attend. Well, I mean, I don't know. Aside from this, it probably was. So any, anybody have a, a hot take, a spicy take on this? Uh, it doesn't sound like the range wants to hold USPSA matches very badly. But it did hold a USPSA match. And I mean, this is a major match, right? Yeah, this was well. What this, what I'm being told is a level three match. So it's probably not inside the U.S. Nope, this is inside the U.S. What the heck? Okay, I'm, I don't know. Uh, like, I based on stuff that I won't put out over the air. I suspect this is largely true. Like, because there's other stuff I'm not reading here. Like, I'm not going to dox the match, but. Yeah, yeah no problem. Uh, I think it'd be hard to, like, yeah, obviously you can't DQ somebody. But, yeah. like, the property can ban you, like, trespass you from the property. So, like, essentially you're basically kicked out of the match for that. Well, I Seems. would I would love to discuss this, Matt. Because that's what you just said. That is the view of, in USPSA and has been for a while, where. We can't DQ you, but we can kick you off the property, right? right? Yeah. Um, okay, so here's here's a good thing about, about USPSA matches is they're open to everybody, and there's one set of rules. So you know what the rules are. You know what's going to happen when you go to a match. Like, it, they all kind of work the same way, and that's what makes it good. All right? Yeah, like, it's, fundamentally, it's essentially you could go no matter where you want in the country and shoot the exact same thing. Right. So know the rules, know the divisions, everything like that. Now, as the, the guy points out, under certain, uh, under certain um, circumstances, um, there could be an exception to USPSA rules granted to a club. Yes. Um, all local rules allowed under these provisions will be, uh, will be documented at USPSA HQ, and any voluntarily adopted rules that are not, I'm reading from Rule 3.3, any voluntarily adopted rules that are not in compliance with these rules must be applied uh, to USPSA matches with without the express oh yeah I can't you can't have the rules without express written consent of the president of USPSA okay so 
in my view, the president should not give uh, permission under any circumstances to any club to run different rules when it comes to DQing people. Is it, would everybody agree to that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Right. So how, like club rules, if, if they follow the process and have a written rule, I could see having a club rule under certain circumstances. I would never let people have a different rule for DQs. I just wouldn't do it because that like you have to be, you have to know the rules for like, <laughs> like that bring you the most substantial punishment that you can get, which is getting DQ. You should, you should know those and they shouldn't change. So I think like everybody would accept that. Uh, but the, the view of most people is like, Hey, it's just what Matt said. It's like, hey, we can't DQ you, but we can click, kick you off the club property. Well, like, yeah, if I were king, which, you know, that's not going to happen. But if I were king, uh, that would not be that. I don't think that's the correct view of it. So what what's going on there is you're saying, OK, here are the rules, but like we can't DQ you. So instead, we're going to just do something that functionally like it's the same thing. We're just going to kick you off and like you can't shoot the match anymore for violating one of our, our house rules or one of the rules for the club. Um, but it won't count as a USPSA DQ. I mean, I think that's I think that's nonsense. Quite frankly, it's it's basically you're just DQing the guy and calling it something else. Like, well, you, you can't stay at the, the range and you can't participate in the match, but we're not going to call it a DQ. I'm going so to take the, uh, the counter side to this. So Sure, go ahead. Okay, then that range won't have any matches. Then. Well, that's that'd be what I would say. Right, that would be what I would say for, as USPS. Uh, you know, USPSA, the organization should be sending that message. It's like, hey, if if you guys can't have people pointing the muzzle over the berm when they reload, which is, I'm not even saying that that's unreasonable or whatever. Like, I don't like that rule, and I'm glad my club doesn't have that rule. But if that's if that's the world you live in, where that's the rule at your club, then it's it'd be. You know, it's just USPSA matches aren't for you, I guess. I, I like I would rather they not have USPSA matches and just have some other match and just call it something else rather than kind of, you know, water down USPSA essentially, like start having these bullshit like house rules and stuff like that. Like, I think that's a really bad thing for USPSA. And the part about this, like, the part where they're saying that this is uh, they get the blessing from HQ to do this. Again, I suspect that's true based on well, a lot of you know a lot of past stuff. I would suspect that'd be the view from HQ, and I think that they're kind of uh, they're hosing their they're hosing their own organization. You know what I mean? Like they're they're ruining the 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 good thing, which is that it's the same rules everywhere, and they're they're kind of compromising that. And I don't even really see the upside for for the organization. It's like they get to have like one more one more club where they could just say no to the club and just you know let the club then make their own choice what they want to do but that also represents like what you said where the rules are the same if you go to my club and you shoot a match and i go to ben's club and i shoot the match i expect it to be the same if you only go to my club and those are the rules then like i guess that is uspsa i guess it's always muzzled down right like that could be if that's your first exposure that would be your perception of all the clubs and the whole organization and that i don't like well, no, I mean, and that that is why this is such a problem. And mm -hmm. this shouldn't this should not be happening at a level three match, period. And I don't think it should be going on at all like this, like house rules to DQ people uh, does seem to be a problem to me. And I don't 
like I don't understand when you have the like you have plenty more clubs and plenty more shooters, like why you would then also be kind of watering that down and then like, hey, oh, if you don't want to, if your club doesn't want to like go along with our safety stuff, like that's fine. We'll like write exceptions for that, and it's not a, it's not a good idea from my from my point of view. But uh, I cannot at all say I'm surprised to see this. Yeah, I think it should be the opposite direction. So USPSA the <laughs> yeah, rules absolutely. has to fit that. Like for example, my my club has like a different range rule for steel targets in terms of distances. But it actually doesn't interfere with the stage design. But when it comes to like muzzle being up, I mean, if you want to follow the USPSA rules, just build every stages in eight rounds and not have major match there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't I don't understand the uh, what the thinking is here, but uh, no, you know, it's it's the it's the way things have been. So I can't say I'm surprised. Uh, does anybody have anything to add? For... No? No, I don't think so. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on. You did a, another wonderful Bang Up podcast. Thank you, you so, so much for having us. Yeah. yeah, well, thank you. For coming. Yeah. It's great. Listeners, if you have a question you'd like the answer to, go to bensteger.com. Send us your question. We'd love to hear from you. That's for sure.